0: Hi, my name is Odessa Kelly, hello ladies, welcome to Ladyland.
1: Think about your closest friend, maybe you know where she works, but do you know what she does all day? Do you know her job title? Do you know what she studied in school? Turns out, I didn't, so I made a podcast to find out. Welcome to Ladyland, I'm your host, Kim Baldwin. This is a conversation with women from all walks of life and different backgrounds. It's funny at times, serious at times, but always honest. This is Ladyland. Odessa, welcome to Ladyland. Thanks for doing this.
0: Of course. I'm glad to be here.
1: Odessa, if you don't mind, will you introduce yourself? Just tell us your name, tell us what you do, a little bit about yourself, whatever you wanna say.
0: Oh, I get to bare my soul a little bit? You sure do. Well, hello, Lady Land. My name is Odessa Kelly. I'm a Nashville native, born and raised, out east. That's what we called East Nashville before all the hot chicken tomato festivals came. That's where I'm from. Love this city, went to public schools, Tennessee State University, I bleed blue. From there, I went to work for Metro Parks and Recreation, serving this good community as a civil servant, and it has been the best part of my life. From there, I went into becoming the executive director of Stand Up Nashville. I like unicorns. I hope they're real. I am a good Christian because I want to go to heaven one day and ride a unicorn. That literally is the only reason. I like the poems that start with roses are red and violets are blue. If they suck at the end, it usually hurts my feelings. What else about me? I punish my kids in the best, most creative ways when they get on my nerves. Like my daughter got on my nerves the other day. So instead of chastising her, I just stole all the backs to her earrings. And she's still looking for them.
1: That's cold-blooded.
0: That's a little bit of who I am.
1: It's funny because you are a unicorn. You're a Nashville native.
0: Yes. Is that why you
1: like unicorns? You feel a sense of (laughs) sameness?
0: No, I'm stereotypically gay. I just like rainbows. <laughs> <laughs> just to be honest. I love I it. Colors are wonderful.
1: They are, as are unicorns. Yeah. <laughs> so you grew up, you're an East Nashville person. hmm And you worked over there with Metro Parks, right?
0: I did for a little while. I have worked all over the city. I started in uh, North Nashville and then went to Bordeaux. From Bordeaux after the flood, and we had uh, rollbacks in all the city government because of our, you know... We we're paid by public tax dollars, and you know the city was broke, so instead of losing my job, I got rolled back to nineteen hours and then I had an opportunity to get to thirty hours, which took me to back home to the east side to East Nashville and then I got a chance to go into management at Napier in 2014 and went there.
1: you were at Metro parks eleven years
0: almost fourteen years, 14 13 years. and a half it was like three months short of being fourteen years
1: man, I know a little bit about kind of your transition from Metro Parks to NOAA, to Stand Mm -hmm. Up Nashville. But I'd love to hear you say a little bit more about, I've heard you say before that you made that transition to Stand Up Nashville to be a better public servant. Yes. And I would love to hear you say more about that.
0: I grew up in Parks and Recreation. And when I say, I mean, literally, even from a childhood, my father worked in, in Parks and Rec. You know, I think you've been here long enough to know that the makeup of the city if you drew a 10 mile radius around uh, downtown Nashville, all the way up to let's say around 2010, that was predominantly black neighborhoods on any side of town that you went to, it was the urban core of Nashville. And we've seen what's happened through the, whatever you wanna call it, gentrification, redevelopment, you know, Nashville becoming the it city and us not being able, we we did a poor job of uh, keeping up with the growth and being intentional about the working class people here in the city. Well, with that a lot of community centers have been here for 40 or 50 years you know and um, they have served those communities so when i say i grew up in the community centers i literally grew up in the community centers you know but then i got my first real professional career in the community centers as well and that real maturity came you know i became a parent very young And you know how it is to go through your mid-20s. It's like, okay, I'm gonna either go to the club or I'm gonna go home and go to sleep so I can make it to work on time, right? Yes. (laughs) So, you know, in in me taking that responsibility and saying I wanna be good at the job that I'm doing, uh, I fell in love with it and really started to understand what it meant to be a civil servant. My job every day was to get up and figure out how I could serve the city in the best way that I possibly could. Actually, the, the good Lord works in mysterious ways. That was a good fit for me. I always played sports. I've always been part of the team. And a part of a team mentality is, is that how can I serve the team the best, right? So I got really good at doing my job as a civil servant through the auspice of uh, Metro Parks and Recreation. But Kim, when I got to Napier Community Center, reality hit me again. I was in that transition of being going from my 20s into my 30s. You know, and really at that time, you know how it takes a couple of years to figure out parenthood? The first couple of years, you just want to keep this damn child alive, you know, don't kill them. Then eventually get into that mode of like, oh, I can still have a life, you know, or pay attention to other things and raise these kids properly, right? So I was getting into that mode and my perspective as an adult was changing. And with that, it was hard for me to ignore the realities of what was happening in Napier. You know, every issue, every national surface issue that we see from policing and how the community was being over policed in some ways and underserved by the police, I have to say that duality was happening all the way to the school to prison pipeline.
1: What time frame were you at Napier?
0: I was at Napier from 2014, from May of 2014 to August of 2019. Or should oh, I say? Recently, Yeah, August twenty, August thirty first, very last day that uh, month. But even the economic crisis, you know, and what was going on here, we had a food bank. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we serve families. You know, and stereotypically, when you think of that, you're thinking of the projects, right? After of being there a while and observing people, what I noticed is that the majority of the people who were coming in, these people had uniforms on. You know, these people were getting off of their full time jobs and coming in and working. And after building bonds and relationships with these people, these people were underpaid. You know, they were getting off of this job, rushing to pick a food box up, take it home and going to get another job. Nine times out of ten, they were just trying to find some type of way to make it. You know, that was they were doing that to pay rent, utilities, bills. You know, they ain't buying yachts. You know, So, but with that, there was that duality. And then there was the duality that I had to get a master's degree to even be competitive, to get the middle management job that I had and a job that I loved. You know, I could have easily retired from Parks and Recreation. It's a a much needed service, you know? And I was coming to the reality that I might have to rent for the rest of my life because I don't want to be, what what do you call it, house poor? When you buy a house, you really can't afford. House poor. And, And you know, it's like homes today are ridiculously expensive. I'm making $44,000 and I've been working in metro parks at this time 10 years. You know, I might top out at 60K. With a master's degree. With a master's degree. So what is the reality if I'm doing right and looking at my budget? You know, like I went to a NOAA meeting fighting for my own life. You know, I didn't want to that to be the story of me. And I also didn't want other people defining my issues as an impacted person or the people that I was fighting for every day. And that's how I ended up leaving Metro Parks and uh, becoming executive director of Stand Up Nashville. I wanted to be a better civil servant. The essence of civil servant is how can I do what's best in the best, most impactful way? I felt like I could do more, but I couldn't do it under Metro Parks. You know, so I started Stand Up
1: Nashville. Hmm. I've heard you say before that you you and Stand Up Nashville are working for the people that make this city, Mm -hmm. you know, that there's not a black and brown middle class here anymore.
0: Yeah, not at all. There's barely a uh, middle class uh, period, a middle class period, you know, Um, and and that goes for white people as well, you know. A lot of my youth childhood friends, they've had to move out to places like Ridgetop, Millersville and all those areas because they were gentrified out of East Nashville and out of South Nashville and, you know, other working class neighborhoods as well. You know, that's the the trick that they play on us. And they always get us down to thinking it's about race. It is about money. (laughs) I mean, money is built around race and oppression and systemic racism. So it's not that. But if we can, that's what, that's what we do at Stand Up Nashville, right? Uh, we do social and racial justice work through an economic lens. Otherwise, these problems keep happening. Uh, one of the other things that I saw too is, is that there were a million organizations over in Napier helping. A million, right? When is the end date to the problem, you know? And it's, it's like, uh, I mean, it's biblical for me, the road the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And that is because we haven't properly assessed the problem and really put the intention behind fixing it, you know? And that was the thing that we wanted to do different in Stand Up Nashville. You know, we want to put an end date to poverty in the city. We want to put an end date to, you know, people being underpaid for the work that they do. We want to put an end date to the school to prison pipeline, you know? You ain't never heard someone shoot someone once they get off their full-time job. They're too damn tired. It don't happen. Nobody working forty hours is going out starting trouble. They ain't you know. They going home and going to sleep. They'll fight over a shower. They'll fight over the big piece of chicken. They ain't about to go out and shoot nobody. And that's just a hard truth.
1: I'd love to hear you kind of talk more about the difference between, I'm using air quotes, help. You know, like a thing that gets talked about a lot is like the backpack program, school supplies. Like let's just call that help, and how that is different from economic freedom, uh, resource equity, and just why it's important to differentiate between those two things. Thank you, that's a good question.
0: The backpack drives are needed, so all you out there doing backpack drives, don't stop. I don't need some nine-year-old pissed at me because he couldn't get his power ranger backpack or whatever, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is that if we were to invest more in economic freedom and liberation of people, these parents would buy their own kids' backpacks. It's not like they don't want to do four. They're so economically oppressed that they can't, you know? And so that's the issue. And this is not a whole pull yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't believe that whatsoever. We are talking about how do you fix four or 500 years of systemic and attention racism and oppression in this country that is leaked over, not into just uh, oppressing black people and people of color, but like I said, it's become a socioeconomic class system to where we oppress the working class. There's a certain few who get rich off of oppression, and we have allowed that to become the status quo. And that's what I'm talking about when I say, you know, the difference. We're going to always have to pass out food boxes if, if we haven't fixed the system that doesn't build pathways out of poverty. You know, there's a reason why we're pushing for a, a $15 minimum wage, which is nice because if it was a real minimum wage, we at this point, it'd probably be around $22, $23 an hour, you know? So 15 is what we're saying just because it should be palatable and we know it can do, and we can get over those humps of excuses of talking about jobs or lose money. Like, that's insane. There's no proof that that would ever happen. When we talk about economic freedom, it's like we're doing with this Get It Right bill right now to uh, reform procurement, you know? We should have standards where our public dollars go. I don't want my public dollars going toward trapping someone into poverty. If my public dollars built the convention center, then the lowest paying job at the convention center should be around $17 to $18. That's what I feel. If my public dollars are going toward a company moving to Nashville and so-called bringing jobs here, then at a minimum, it should be paying $17, $18 an hour.
1: Can we talk about Amazon? Sure just in case someone listens to this that doesn't live in Nashville Amazon is here.
0: Yay. Oh. Yay with the upside down smile. <laughs> with the with the skeptical face, the yeah.
1: monocle. How do you, how do you feel about the jobs that Amazon brought here?
0: I think it's a scam game that that is happening. I think it is a true reflection and a test of who we are as a city because what I'm starting to hear over and over again which I find problematic is that Don't ignore how we treat the people who work in our warehouses, nor the low folks who working down there and actually the ones who are doing all the hard work. But if you're gonna come over here and get a job in our nice crystal palace, we're gonna pay you well, right? That's what we're hearing. And that's not okay. I can't ignore someone's bad behavior over here because they're telling me they'll give me a, a lollipop or a piece of stranger danger. Do we not remember those things, you know? I just can't morally get along with that. On top of that too, I think we're at a point in this country because we are so techn- uh, technology driven that it's impossible for us to like stay within geographical lines. The atrocities that Amazon is has done in Minneapolis, in Elwood, Illinois, all the way down to the Ontario, uh, California, where they have like this whole inland island of warehouses. I mean, it's maddening they should be embarrassed of themselves of some of the production rates. Have you been to Bessemer, Alabama, where they were just down to this weekend? So we're talking about warehouses that are like the size of multiple football fields. Have you ever tried to run up and down just one football field? That's a long way. 100 yards is, that's you know, it's a good distance. Imagine 12, 13, 17 of them things put back to back, bathrooms at either end, Right. You gotta be an athlete just to maybe make it there, but not make it back. And then they put surveillance in their own warehouses to track you. I mean, that's impossible. And then they say they get away with it by saying that they pay you well, right? But they don't pay well. Is that's the problem, right? They pay better than a lot of other employers in the state. So you get to exploit people who are getting the minimum wage, you know, because they need that money. So they'll ignore the damage that amazon is doing to their bodies just to make this money and that is where it it steps in and becomes the responsibility of us as citizens of the elected officials that we have to put some standards in and say that that's not okay
1: is this part can i connect back to the get right bill so the get right bill is an initiative i think that comes from stand up nashville or is it is it stand okay i didn't know if it was stand up nashville or the justice league
0: it's a stand up nashville initiative done with liuna Um, uh, uh, southeast laborers And it's it's, a metro
1: bill it's not state
0: yeah it's a metro it's a metro bill uh that uh, councilwoman sandra sepoveda is pushing along with several other council members um who signed on it as well and uh, the part of this and the reason why we wanted to bring it back up it was something that we've been thinking about for years is because of the stuff of uh gustavo the young boy the 16 year old boy that uh, died, you know, and, and easily could have been prevented had we had some standards in around the brown safety, you know, and that's it's uncalled for. <laughs> you know, this young man should have been celebrating his 17th birthday, I think on March 2nd, and that didn't happen. And that's not OK. That's not OK for someone. And technically what happened is someone just got a bigger bottom line. And so those are the things that we're trying to change with the get it right bill. Like you have to have standards in. These people will reform. Anyone who's pushing back against it, you just got to meet the metric. If that's what we got to do to define the city and be safe and be, you know, to show that we care about the people who live and reside and and work in it, that's what we have to do.
1: A thing I want to make sure and highlight to anyone who's not familiar with the work of Stand Up Nashville is. How many people you work for and whether or not they want you to be working for them. You know, you are working for workers, regardless yes. of their political affiliation, regardless of whether or not your values align. You know, you're working for middle class if you don't make, what is it, 70000 a year? Yeah, I'm talking about you. Yeah, like you do, you and Stand Up Nashville work for more people, I think, than everyone realizes,
0: Yeah, Someone nicknamed us the Chamber of the People, and I like it. (laughs) I like that a lot. That's exactly what we try to do. We have a lot of headaches, because if any of y'all have ever talked to people, you know, people get on your nerves, right? But you love Mm -hmm. them at the same time. So we go through those arduous headaches of talking to different people, different personalities, different values. And sometimes it's hard to find the center of like, what is best to get what's best for everyone, right? Sometimes that's why we work slow. (laughs) Cause eventually we just like, we got to do something and we've got to move. And usually because people know that we have done every intentional thing that we can to make sure that people are centered in it, that their voices are heard, they're right on board. You know, when we do decide to like make a move.
1: Is the fairgrounds considered South Nashville? It is, right? Yes. The CBA uh-huh. that's going on with South Nashville and the fairgrounds, we're Can you talk a little right. bit about that? Cause I don't know a ton about that. Yeah, sure.
0: So end of 2017, There was a lot going on in 2017, okay? Let's go back to there. As a public employee and all public employees that were going through this big battle, we didn't get our COLA, C-O-L-A, which is short for Cost of Living Adjustment. As we all know, it is expensive to live in Nashville. This has been a succession of several years, and we're talking past five, six, seven years, where Metro employees had received a raise, you know, to try to get up to where they're supposed to be to live in the city right even though they work for the city and then if they did receive a raise what always happened is you received a bump in your insurance premium so technically it just bumps whatever raise you got out okay city said they couldn't pay it they didn't have the money to do it so we just had to take that one on the chin that's one number two the superintendent of schools at that time sean joseph was asking that he get their money needed just to keep schools running at an adequate level, to get them what they needed to be, right? This became a big controversy again.
1: Yeah, I remember this, this was big.
0: Yeah, the city said, what? We, We just can't do it, we don't have the money, right? That's what was said, okay, that's two. Then the third thing happened. We're going to shut Metro General Hospital. This is the hospital that serves our indigent and our poor community. Right, why? Because we just don't have the money. That's what we said. Three, you get a, get a get a pattern, you see a parallel between all three of these things. One thing coming, we don't have the money to do it. Yet, we found $275 million to build a new soccer stadium. As a person who is in love with this city, the city I was born and raised in, matured in the city, grown up in this city, it's also my responsibility. This soccer stadium is coming, what do you wanna see happen? They're just out of line of what is important. People, the autonomy, the things that the things that we need are more important than us giving this money, even I don't care if it's revenue, bonds, you know, part of this is building trust, you know, building dignity and value into people. All these three entities that take care of massive amounts of people here in Nashville, we didn't have the money to do those things. But we can build a soccer stadium, right? It's gonna be for a select few individuals who can probably go to those games, right? saw it as a problem, saw it as an issue. We wanted to uh, everyone to vote no. There was a big special hearing about it. It passed anyway on council. When it passed on council, I think it was a turning stone for us at Stand Up Nashville. Instead of being reactionary to it and pouting, we said, okay, we're gonna be solution oriented. Like we still have options. We decided we were gonna fight back. And the way we were gonna fight back is by having a seat at the, at the table and say that if you're gonna build this soccer stadium, then we're going to get something out of it. Shout out to uh, Councilman Kobe Sledge for ensuring that a community benefits agreement happened between Stand Up Nashville and the owners of the soccer stadium to make sure that the community felt value. Because far too long, development happens to us and not with us. We're not a part of it.
1: Ooh, that, say that one more time.
0: Girl, I don't even know what I just, oh, I, yeah, I did, hold on. They said that rewind. I said development happens to us instead of with us. You know, and um, I've
1: never heard it put that way.
0: I mean, but that's accurate, right? I mean, someone puts back against me if it's not. But I think that's pretty much, you know, the reason why there was so much distrust. And it's how things happen, you know. So we decided that we were going to go out and we were going to campaign all over Nashville, get a survey, as many people as possible.
1: So what did people say?
0: Biggest things that came out of it is that that there was a food desert in that area. They wanted to see a grocery store right? People wanted to see uh, good paying jobs. People wanted to see uh, housing. That was the number one thing. People wanted to see affordable and workforce housing come out of this. There were actually five big things that came out of Those are three. The other two, people wanted to see a daycare. It was a daycare desert in South Nashville. And the fifth thing is that people wanted to see diverse entertainment uh, venues. People, I'm from Nashville, but I don't do honky tonks. That's not my thing. I'm not, you not about to find me down the swinging doors, one, two, three, four, they ain't gone. So, so unless you bring, you know, Drake in as a uh, a guest, you will not see me down there unless I'm Ubering and dropping someone off. But anyway, so that was something that we wanted to see. Soccer is the most diverse sport in the world. We weren't able to get a grocery store out of it. Like we just weren't advanced enough to even have all the stuff, you know, we didn't have the knowledge to know what I was needed to go in at, you know, and to do it in a communal way. But what we were able to get is a $15.50 minimum wage for any job that's in a 10-acre development. Now, I have to say that, too. It's with the 10-acre development. Y'all peep game. When they build these stadiums, what the owners want is the real estate. All right? They want the land that comes with it. There's usually just a land grab. So, yeah, they're going to build this stadium, but they're going to build this real nice residential mixed-use area around it as well. Right? Right? And so they get the the land and all the money and the profit from that. So we got the CBA on the 10 acre development that was coming. We tried to get it on the stadium too, but I mean, it was our first one. It is one of the strongest CBAs that happened in the country. Want to make sure we get that out there. Shout out to our national affiliates, partnerships with working families for helping us get that. But that's essentially what it was. We got 200 units of affordable housing, which was the, the crux of our battle. You know. Uh, we kept trying for months. How many units of, of of housing are you gonna build? Well, we're gonna build this. How many units are you building? Between nine and a thousand. Okay, we asked for fifty percent, which I think is fair, right? Yeah. We got to we got twenty percent, which is gonna be around two hundred units. Okay. And you know we got a four thousand foot daycare on a sliding scale. They'll be going in on the first floor. Um, Man, that's awesome.
1: I didn't know about the daycare. I knew about yeah. the units.
0: And we got 5,000 square feet dedicated to micro units, to small businesses. One thing is another thing that's happened in the culture and the soul of Nashville, we took away the flea market. So you had a lot of independent business owners, creatives and people who lost their spaces for how they could you know, make money and get commerce. So we wanted to make sure that we brought them back into the mix as well.
1: Man, so, that's awesome. I didn't know all of that. We
0: have been fighting our hardest to make sure that the soul that went into the to spirit of getting the CBA accomplished it's carried and executed out in the way that we do it. The reason we went about doing it instead of doing legislation is we had 33 out of the 40 council members sign on and we used that as the leverage. You know, they said that, hey, we want vote yes on the demo of this property until you do the CBA. And that was from us building relationships and working with them because everyone wanted to see what was best and what could happen from Nashville, right? And that's why it was such a good feeling and a big thing for everyone in the city of Nashville. And we did that because the state preempts so many things that we do as a city here in Nashville. And if you don't know what preemption is out there, that's state interference. State won't mind their business, basically. Nashville said they want to do something. State said, no, nah, y'all can't do that, right? As though we don't have the autonomy. Like, like we're not adults. Like, we can't make good decisions for ourselves here. Nashville, I mean, we probably produce more revenue than, what, 80% of the state put together. Yet, we can't decide what we want to do as a city and a community. That is what uh, preemption is. That is the reason why we use the tool of a a, a community benefits agreement, because it was a private agreement between the developer and Stand Up Nashville that is legally binding. You know, that way the state can't preempt that.
1: Lady Lynn listeners, have I got a deal for you. LOL. But seriously, I have a deal for you. Libro.fm is the first and only company that lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your local independent bookstore. And guess what? We have two of those here in Nashville. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your completely unstructured life. Listen during your commute to your living room while doing chores, walking the dog, petting the cat, or relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free LibroFM app. Ladyland special offer. Get two audiobooks for the price of one, that's $14.99, with your first month of membership using the code Ladyland at checkout. It's really easy. I'm going to shift gears a tiny bit, but I'm going to pick up a thread. You're a prominent black woman who is an organizer and activist in town. And I feel like maybe you got a lot of attention from just well, well-intentioned people who wanted to just help. I want to give you a time time to shine because I think a lot of people just want in this work and they just want to jump in.
0: This is hard. Like this work is not supposed to be easy and no one should want to be in like trying to do this work forever, right? Like uh, I got into this work because I am a joyful person, naturally, in systemically the things that keep happening to me as a worker uh, as a woman as an openly gay person um as a parent as an african-american in this country make it hard for me just put barriers in the way of me. i see joy i see peace right there kim i can grab it you know but i gotta get over all these humps and all these humps puts me in the social justice arena to fight for that shit you know to really want to go for it and i think some people jump into this because they think it's trendy. I I, I jumped in this because I was fighting for my life. (laughs) I jumped into this because I I, I got tired of this. I I was definitely afraid that 25 years from now, my kids or my grandkids are going to ask me, What did you do? And I didn't have an adequate answer for them. That's the reason why I jumped into this. But I don't want to be in this forever. You know, there are a lot of good younger organizers coming behind me. I got in this game late too, which I think is what helped me. You know, I am a Nashville native. I've gone through all the trials and tribulations that everyone else has done. I know what it's like to wake up in the morning and decide, am I going to go to work today, or am I going to lie and say that I'm sick? We've all been there. <laughs> We've all done it, you know. We also made those, had to make those bad decisions that suck. Of sometimes, like, I need to feel good. Am I going to kick it and blow half this check, and then I'm just going, I'm going to be real conservative to my next check, and then I'm going to get back on track, right? We've all done those things. And I think you need to have that type of perspective if you're gonna do this work well. Shared perspective is more important than skin color in this, you ask me. And I think that's where that comes from. There are a lot of people, I didn't even know that this was a job. Did y'all? I, no. My, I had no idea that like being in the social justice world, like you could get a job doing this. I had no idea you know, that this existed. You know, So a lot of people in this work They've been fantasizing since they were little to like be in this work. That's weird to me. When I was seven- That's what
1: I thought it was. I knew it was a job, but I didn't know it was accessible. Yeah. If you're like 32. I thought it was something you have been trained for and like working towards.
0: Yeah, and I think that's odd if you've been trained towards it, you know, because that means that you haven't been in the normal venues or tradition of people who are just trying to make it every day or, you know, enjoy life. When I was seven, eight years old, I was not thinking about doing this work. I wanted to be a Mario Kart driver. <laughs> that's what I, wanted to do. I wanted to, I wanted to drive the Yoshi mobile. That was what I wanted to do. You know, when I became about 11 or 12 and my coordination fell in place, I wanted to hoop. NBA, damn the WNBA. I wanted to go to the league. You know, I didn't like Charles Barkley. I was ready to dunk on him. Like, that's what I wanted to do.
1: <laughs> Shout out, Lady Tigers.
0: Yeah. Shout out Lady Tigers. You know, so, but you know, life takes its different courses. And like I said, through maturity and life experiences, it made me pay attention that there are cruxes here. And I know the feeling of them. And I think that's probably what makes me really relatable to a lot of people. And the most important thing, I'm pretty. (laughs) It's probably what it is. People can't resist this. You see all this water working well? <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Oh mm. my god. Yeah. Man. I think just having a shared perspective of other people and where they come from and not pretending to have all the answers, I failed as much as I have been successful. And the failures have fueled me to be, you know, the, the first CBA that we tried to get, it was with the airport. 1.2 billion over six years. We brand new out here and stand up in stand-up national. Like, yeah, we're gonna get this done. <laughs> Got our asses handed to us. <laughs> You know, and but that helped us to like lick our wounds, look at what we did wrong, prepare better. It got me from being a narrow minded person because I was like, it's about black people, black people being oppressed. And it is about that, right? But it made me see more into this race class narrative. It's working class people. It's the working poor. It's not all those people who are under 70,000. If not nobody else see you, I see you. I got your back. Even if we see different on surface, you know, values, it's like I said to someone the other day, it's like me and you don't really care for each other, but I wish we could argue from our mansions. God. (laughs) Like, I I wouldn't mind arguing with you all day from our mansions. (laughs) We ain't got to have the same values, but both of us should have the same access to have the best quality of life that we possibly can live. And that's what's not happening for the people in Nashville.
1: No, no, it is not. Wow. Okay. Put that on a t-shirt, please. Stand Up Nashville did something really big this year. Uh Oh, Oh, let me get it right. The Boards and Commissions Leadership Institute. Oh, yes, we I'm tripping. I'm not even trying to slide that in there. I I don't know how this hasn't been the whole podcast conversation. I am always so impressed with you. But this is next level. And I don't know how many people know that you. That you did this, you and Stand Up Natural did this.
0: Yeah, it wasn't just a me thing. It was the it was our entire team. So, 2020 was a bitch. (laughs) It was right, and it wasn't just because of COVID. It wasn't just because of the racial tension and the racial like you know reflection of who we are and the racism that happened to the insurrection that just happened a couple of months ago. It was a good reflection of who we are, not only as a city, but as a state and as a country, how we're uncomfortable with facing who we really are, addressing it, and holding ourselves accountable, right? Well, with Stand Up Nashville, that's what we try to do. All the good work that you can do, you still have to you know, grow. You have to do a SWOT analysis of yourself. And me, I've never done like the SWOT or 360 evaluation, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats i say we've been pretty successful since we started in 2016, you know, and a lot of us being in the right moments and being able to have the capacity to move on something and do something big that's needed to be done. You know, there's nothing magical about it, but I would say the BCLI came out of us doing all this work and then you measure how impactful your work has been. We moved the needle an inch. We ain't moved it like meters the way that we want to. And the reason is, is because as a city, We've put all our energy, and as we should have, in saying, we're gonna change the tide of who we are. We see ourselves, we want our leadership to reflect us. Right, Kim? So when people run for office, your talking points better be things that I wanna hear that reflect me. And those, you can see the the drastic change in how this happened. We have a city council that reflects who we are as a people, for for the most part. We're still working on it, but we did a great job. The National Justice League, shout out to them in that pack. We, I think they ran a, a, a slate of 15 candidates, got 13 elected. That's a huge and big move, you know, to define who we are as a city. We're even looking for that in our mayor. May not have just hit it, you know, this this last go around, but that's what we all want. We want a mayor who reflects our values, right? So check that off the box. We know how that, that's going to look going forward. Shit's still the same, though. Same thing still happening. And what we found out is that a lot of the blame that we place on the mayor or the city council, it is for these 79 boards and commissions that we have that govern the infrastructure of Nashville, Tennessee, Davidson County, Metropolitan. No
1: one knows there's that many and no one knows how much power they have. I didn't know until I started working on campaigns and my people got elected. I was like, wait, what are all of these? What do they do? But like Those, if you work on a campaign, you just get appointed to one. It's- exactly,
0: yeah. Yeah. So we have 79 boards and commissions, zoning commission, planning commission, MDHA. That's the development and housing. We have the transit authority. We have an electric electrical board. We have a waste management board. We have the community oversight board, which is supposed to be an oversight board for policing. There's 79, 79 of these boards and commissions, right? 79. And where we dropped the ball is, is that we didn't pay attention to how much power they had and who was sitting on these boards. Majority white men, you know, and it's just just a fact of what it is. I'm not going to shy away from what, you know, it doesn't mean all the white men sitting on these boards and commissions are evil people or, you know, have bad intentions. But they definitely have privilege and they don't have a shared perspective of the most impacted people that their decisions hit. You know, like that's something I talk about. I try to tell people. If you have the means, you making over, and, and let's let's give a little threshold between 70 and let's say 85, you're making over 85k a year, then you probably can sustain whoever's in leadership or whatever's gonna happen because you have the means to. But if you're under that, then nine times out of ten, these decisions that are being made with all this public money are going to affect you in your life. That means it has a drastic effect because we all know the wealth gap between uh races on African Americans, Hispanic people, definitely on undocumented Hispanic, Brown, Latinx uh, individuals here, you know, immigrants. So like when we think about that, we need to be more intentional about who we put on these boards and commissions. So from us missing the ball on that, instead of us making some silly excuse, In 2021, we said we wanted to be transformational. All the stuff we did, the CBA is transactional. Was it needed? Yes, at that time. You know, the do better bill was something transactional. The city needs to be transparent about where our money is going, right? Amazon, still kind of transactional. That's something where people are trying to say, you know, if if you don't attract good business, the city won't grow. I said, you haven't shown me the counter. I think they're going to come here anyway. Nashville is like a... Haven, logistically, people are going to come here. We don't have to give all our public funds away to them, right? This year, Stand Up Nashville, for the best growth and for the best possible thing we can do for the people in Nashville, we have to be transformational. And so transformational means like how do you put the little widgets in place that create a paradigm shift, a shift in value in your mindset, your expectations. The BCLI was us give our first shot at doing that. You know, let's get a training, you know, class. And, and we put 60 hours of training together with world-class trainers. You know, we're on broke y'all trying to pay for this and it's well worth it. It's great. This.
1: I read through the application pro. I went all the way through it because I just wanted to know what yeah. you put together. And it was yeah. so legit and impressive. It was, it was very fancy. No, so what it. you did, you opened up an application process for a leadership institute to train mm. Nashville residents to go get positions on these boards and commissions. So you, I forget how many fellows you have. We have
0: 14 fellows and all of them went through a very arduous process. We made it hard on purpose. Accountability, it should be worth you jumping through all the hoops, you know, cause we just let people willy nilly get on boards and commissions and look, just look around you look at what's happening. You know, it hasn't worked well. We got developers all over these boards and commissions who are making decisions so they can line their pocketbooks. And that's not okay, that's not healthy for a community. So especially with so many marginalized uh, communities within it.
1: Okay, if you have time, I wanna do two things. I wanna wrap up Stand Up Nashville and give you an opportunity to tell people how to like learn more or engage. And then I wanna talk to Odessa the person and just talk about like Nashville. All
0: right, well, thank you for this part of the uh, podcast. If any of you out there are interested we're always looking for super volunteers especially just help us figure this out it's still hard through covid www.standupnashville.org that is our website you we can just put in standupnashville.org it'll pop up go down hit that volunteer or that donate button we'll gladly take that type of support as well we're on all social media channels you know why because i'm not in charge of them anymore and i hire responsible people who take care of it So all of those things are popping and working. You can go to any of those, you can hit us up. You can hit us up at, I think, info at standupnashville.org. I have interns now and guess what? They man that email. So it won't be a month before I respond. So those are the ways that you can hit us up. Shout out to us. We definitely want to beef up. Uh, We got a lot of plans for this year and we need a big, strong
1: volunteer base to help us. Okay. I'll put all that stuff in the show notes, too, so people can just click. Okay. All right. Native Nashvilleian unicorn.
0: Uh-oh, let me take my coat off of this part.
1: Do you want to talk about Fountain Square Mall? Fountains? Oh, my gosh. I went on my first date there. I was about to say, I was
0: so excited when Fountain Square, I get, I think that was the first time I got really grounded, because I was sneaking out to go there, because you remember, I used to have, like, the movies and the skating rink? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, trying to hang out with friends or whatever, you know, forgot that my parents had boundaries and structures. They wouldn't let my ass go nowhere or whatever. You know, Mm -hmm. So I I remember trying to sneak out. I love Fountain Square.
1: It was gorgeous. You could walk around and you were on the water. It was so fancy.
0: It was really nice.
1: Yeah. I think all we had then was like Hickory Hollow and Fountain Square was.
0: On that side. That's right. Yeah. Hickory Hollow. And then even at that time, a hundred Oaks Mall was dying out. Like, I used to hate to, my grandma would be like, let's go to the mall. We're going to Hundred Oaks.
1: My grandmother worked in Hundred Oaks. She worked at the Toggery. It was a children's clothing store in Hundred exactly.
0: Oaks. Exactly. So, you know, yeah, that's pretty much. Because I think by that time, too, Church Street Mall was gone. You remember that? Yeah. Had that, I felt like that elevator was 90 feet in the air.
1: It, so, <laughs> it was so scary. My mom worked downtown, so she would drop me off there. And then, like, if she had to work on a Saturday, and I would just walk around Church Street Mall.
0: Yeah, and there was nothing for us to buy because it was nothing. like, it was closed for, like, you know, older Sunday school mothers and pimps. Like, <laughs> I don't want no leather Daisy Adams. Like, ain't got, ain't got no Jays in there. What a footlocker. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very different. Yeah, it was. I also want to have a heart-to-heart with you about Opryland
0: do you know, see now, see you've been doing some research, pulling I on have. my heart stream. That was supposed to be my first job, Kim. Really? The I park? Used, yeah, I'm like anyone, I was, I mean, think about it. If you a kid, and you, I love Opryland. You know when the beginning of summer was gonna get here, that was like was the first place you went, you know it's an affordable theme park let me say that an affordable theme park and it was fun to all you new Nashville's of people who never got to experience Opryland. if you want to talk about a place of synergy even though it was like soaked in country music it was just a place of love black brown white rich poor you know, everyone went to Opryland and all that shit went out the window because he was just there to have a good time and have fun. That's the only time I was into country music. Whatever was playing, because I was in such a good place, I was rocking with that shit. So, Elvis, you know, Loretta Lynn, whoever was on, you know, I loved Opryland. Then I had friends who were like working out there. Yeah, that was going to, I was like, I cannot wait to turn 15 so I can be the ticket taker at Opryland. That was going to be my first job. And That's then they didn't so shut funny. it down. For a damn convention center in a mall, even though I walk around that mall all the time now, but still, like, it's like you took my wabash cannonball ride.
1: Was that Do your y'all favorite remember
0: ride? Yes, yeah, standing on the bridge and it gets soaked with the water with everyone after you know when the comes down. down the, the, yeah, you know, Old just, mill scream. I loved all of that. You know, I did too. it was really fun.
1: They had know? a um a little gift shop place in the park where you could. Take your picture and make a fake magazine cover. Yes. I remember (laughs) that every time. Every time.
0: I remember that. Yeah. You know, do you remember Banjo Wallet? Yes. Yeah. They had a guy who would just walk around with a banjo and he just sit and he play like, you know, they had like the picnic areas because you're going to eat and you eat good because it's a Southern theme park. So even the, even the corn dogs is 80 pounds dipped in sugar and butter. That was wonderful. You know? and he'd come around paying a little banjo and stuff it was just a really good feeling you know and i have that in the city and i think when we took opryland we stripped a, that's when it started just stripping the soul of this city God, you know
1: i've not put that together but yeah you're totally right
0: yeah you know and it just hasn't it's like we've been trying to catch up with it ever since and we, we, we haven't we got to stop the bleeding somewhere
1: man it all goes back to opryland
0: i'll go back to opryland we, we need those type of things back or those type of feelings. Do y'all remember the Summer Lights Festival? Yes. yes. Oh, my God. We don't have that. You, we don't have the Summer Lights Festival, just like intentional things that, you know, and that's what you, we were a working class town. The leadership of the city were working class for, or at least for a while or they they respected that. Right. So I always felt like too, like we got you got Opineland, you got all these festivals that kind of say take a break. You know, take a deep breath and just enjoy life for a minute, you know? And I just feel like those things, like we're coming so damn corporate. You
1: know? Yeah. Um, Odessa, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so glad to have you on Ladyland.
0: I hope you invite me back. I love y'all Ladyland people.
1: I'm Kim Baldwin, and that's our show. Thanks so much for joining us. To find full show notes, head over to ladyland.show. And if you know a lady that I need to meet, slip into my DMs. You can find me at ladyland underscore podcast on Instagram. This podcast is produced by Mary Catherine Rooker and brought to you by We Own This Town. Logo by Elizabeth Williams. Music by UDrive. Download anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have a minute, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review Ladyland. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.